The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. Great to have you all along tonight. Stephanie McGill will be with us to talk about synchronicities regarding her husband's heart transplant. And also, she hosts a uh, Facebook page called My Dream. So we'll be talking about all of that with Stephanie. It's Beyond Reality. We'll be right back. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stephanie McGill is our guest for the second part of the program. We're going to talk about synchronicities regarding her husband's heart transplant. Also, a Facebook page called uh, My Dreams, which is a forum for people to post about their dreams and discuss them. Stephanie has prophetic dreams, and we're going to talk about that as well. Stephanie, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it very well, much. I'm yeah. an avid listener. Oh well, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank exciting. you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad to have you here. Um, I've been excited to hear your story. I don't know where you want to start, but I know that uh, your husband. A lot of this is related to an experience with your husband and his heart transplant as a result from muscular dystrophy. Tell us what what your husband's been afflicted with. He has. Uh, a strand of muscular dystrophy called Becker's muscular dystrophy, and it's diff- it differs from the your typical Duchenne's that you see on the Jerry's Kids telethon, you know, back when we were kids. Right. Um, this is a strand that it affects the usually happens in men, and it affects them later in life. My husband wasn't diagnosed until he was 29, and it is a genetic. Uh, defect, a gene deletion. So his muscles don't regenerate as like yours and I do. We we go out for a run or work out and we do uh, minuscule damages to our muscles, little tears and rips. And our muscles are healthy enough to recover, his are not. So he, you know, your heart's a muscle. So right. It, uh, it affected him differently. He has he had has three other brothers and uh, two are confirmed that have Becker's as well, and it's affecting them each differently. So his little brother can't walk. He he struggles, um, and he's like five years younger than my husband, who's fifty five. And then his older brother, it didn't affect him until way later in life. And so it's affecting him differently, too. But he has, they all have a little bit of heart issues, but my husband's the one who really got the heart, heart issues. Um, it caused something called cardiac, I'm sorry, uh, cardiomyopathy, non-ischemic cardiomyopathy, mm-hmm. which is uh, an enlarging of the left ventricle. And his heart function was decreased down um, at the time of transplant, his heart was only functioning at 15%. Oh, wow. Um, his, yeah. And that, that uh, there's something called an ejection fraction, which whatever, however much blood your heart uh, takes in through the right atrium, it will ex, uh, expel 
50 to 75 percent of that blood to your extremities, and his was down to 15 percent. Um, so then when you get below 30 percent, that's when they start talking about internal defibrillators, which he's had two, uh, because it can make your heart go into to something called ventricular tachycardia, which he had a chronic case of ventricular tachycardia, but that's where your heart beats so fast that it cannot pump the blood to your extremities, therefore you pass out, it can cause brain damage, it can cause death. And that's where we were. Um, he's, like I said, he had two internal defibrillators, and he was shocked. Uh, I think the most accurate count we had was 47 times. Oh wow! In a ten-year span of time. Now I'm assuming you're not you're not a, a a a medical student or a physician, but man, you obviously have had to do a lot of learning. And you know, you you obviously you're speaking this of this in terms that most people wouldn't understand, um, and you clearly understand it very well. I do, and it's funny because we've struggled for this since uh, 2009 was the first time he ever passed out. We were in the middle of a restaurant. He was, <laughs> we kind of laugh about it because he was bending over or kind of leaning over to get his wallet to pay the bill. And he said, Oh, I feel a little, and he oh, passed geez. out. <laughs> and so, and we got a free meal because we had to call 911. And I, he, as he was, they were taking him out. I said, I got it. I'm freaking out and almost passed out myself. And, uh, because I had never dealt with anything like that. We didn't know at the time what was going on. I thought he had a heart attack. And uh, the, the waiter said, that, I said, let me take care of this bill. And I'm kind of freaking out and crying a little. He said, no, no, I got it. I got it. So it was kind of a joke. Every time it was time to pay the bill, we'd say, okay, now, you know. But, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's it's nice that you really can. Want that. Yeah, but it's nice <laughs> that you can you can find some levity in it as well, um, you know, because it's a serious situation. You were probably very scared at the time. Oh, I have been more scared in the last 10 years than I have in my entire life. And I am the mother of two of my, my, my biological children, and I've helped raise um, three stepchildren. My first husband had two that I helped raise, and then I, we divorced. And then my husband, Brian, now has a son that I helped raise. Wow. So, you know, that this is the hardest thing I've ever been through, and that includes motherhood. So that says something. So let's it talk really Let's talk about the synchronicities, the, the, the things that, that, uh, that surround this circumstance and this situation that you um, – that, that – make you raise an eyebrow and, and 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 I know you're quite confident these synchronicities are real. Absolutely. Um, let's start with when I was a, a well, let's uh, okay, first off, let's talk about the defibrillator. I told you he's had two defibrillators and was shocked 47 times. Right. Um, I was there for every single one and our children were there for none. They have never witnessed their father being shocked. And our, our, our boys are 20, 21, and 28. So this has been over the last 10 years. So, you know, having a, an 11 and a 12-year-old or 10 and 11-year-old with someone with this, you know, severe of a, um, a, a health issue, you know, I, you want to protect your kids. So they've never been there. They have always just left or they were visiting their dad, and their dad lives in Florida, so they were visiting their dad when all this was going on. They were there um, at the hospital visiting 
and saw, you know, him in the hospital and quite serious at times, but they never witnessed the actual shock, which out of 47 times, and I was there for everyone, he was never alone. Um, I was, there was always, I was always there with him to try to, you know, to get help and to calm him down because it's very serious. It's not a fun thing to be shocked internally. And, and, and the very odds, scary. the odds of you being there each one of those 47 times and none of your children being there any of those 47 times, those have to be astronomical odds if it was random. Absolutely. And something else, you would look at my husband. He's six foot one. He's a big guy. You know, you look at him, you think he could move a mountain. And, you know, he was a Marine. And that shocks people. His uh, neurologist was Dr. Jerry Mandel, who is the, um, one of the, the leading physicians in the nation for muscular dystrophy. And he, uh, he works really closely with the MDA. So he was like, I cannot believe that you have Becker's muscular, Becker's muscular dystrophy and you are a Marine. And he was. You know, my husband, he, you know, he struggled a little bit through it, but he got through it. Um, was he aware, he probably but, wasn't aware, was he aware that he was, he had the condition when he became a Marine? No. No. He, he was not diagnosed until he's 29 years old. Right, okay. Um, and he woke up one day. He partied the night before, woke up, and went to the restroom and then couldn't get off the toilet. <laughs> he couldn't move. He had to uh, literally drag himself to the phone to call 911 because that was, he couldn't that move was the first. Life. That was the first experience he had, which resulted in the diagnosis? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so so and, uh, the forty-seven sh- uh, shock events where you were present for all and the children were present for none—that's that's pretty powerful in itself. What else are we talking about here? We're talking. Well, um, he, like I said, he was—he's very strong. And you would look at him and you wouldn't think that he has anything wrong with him. He actually was feeling quite well. I mean, he felt good. They had changed the medications, and he was feeling well. But um, in 2018, he got sh- he passed out and got shocked, and he felt he face planted. When I say face planted, he broke his nose. He broke oh, his face. It was terrible. We were walking downtown. We live in uh, near Columbus, Ohio. We were walking downtown, meeting friends, or uh, you know, we were going to a, um, a restaurant there, and he, we never made it because he fell. And uh, when they when they did that, he did that. They decided to start really looking at his heart again and, and doing um, echocardiograms and, and right heart catheters and things like that, which usually you do a heart catheter, catheter they go into the left, um, the right heart catheter tells them more. So they decided that he, this was in May of 2018, so they started doing all that in about March of 2019. They said, you know, we're on the fence here. You're really at that tipping point where you're going to probably need to get ready for heart transplant. So last year, he spent all summer getting, um, going to doctors. You have to be cleared through every doctor that you can. Infectious disease, neurology, gastroenterologist, um, dental, you name it, you have to be cleared. So he spent all summer last year and, um, you know, getting ready and, we had sold our house, and we were going to build. We decided not to build, so we were running an apartment. Um, and 
it, we've been there for a couple of years, and we've been wanting to buy. And he says, let's buy a house. It's July. I said, okay. He says, it's a good time to buy a house. We're going to buy a house. I said, okay. So we found our house. We worked to, you know, get all of our ducks in a row and money saved up. And we signed on our house in September, I think September 4th. We moved in September 14th. His son was getting married, and he lives in Missouri, so we drove out October 5th was his son's wedding. And we drove out to Missouri for the wedding on October 6th. We, we were leaving to come back home, and we stopped halfway uh, between Missouri and Columbus and stayed in Terre Haute, Indiana at a hotel because, you know, that's a long trip. We try to take it in sure, two days. Yeah. And... <clears throat> I woke up in the middle of the night, and he was breathing funny, and I couldn't wake him up. And then all of a sudden, he was talking to me. And I said, oh, my God, did you get shocked? He said, I don't know. He said, but I didn't like that feeling. It was weird. And I think he got shocked. So we stayed up all night and checked his vitals and checked his pulse and, and made sure that he wasn't going to be having any other issues. And we decided that I was going to drive home. When Anytime you get shocked, you can't drive for three to six months. It's like having a seizure. Oh, wow. Because okay. they don't know when it's going to come. Yeah. Right. So I drove us the rest of the way home. It was like a four-and-a-half-hour drive on the way home, and he didn't have any issues while we were on the road. He had, because he has an internal defibrillator, we could send a remote access um, reading to the doctor. So we came home, and it's still in boxes, by the way. We're still in boxes. We just moved in two weeks before to our new house. So this was October 8th, by, or by October 7th, when we got home, sent remote, went to bed. The next morning he got up, and I heard something downstairs, and I kind of hollered for him. He didn't answer me, and I was getting up out of bed, and all of a sudden I hear, honey, call 911. I just woke up on the floor. He had passed out on October 8th. Mm. So um, October 8th. He goes into the hospital. We get there. We thought maybe they'd tweak some medication. They said, nope, it's time. We have nowhere. We have no more play with your medications. It can now turn toxic. It's time for your heart transplant. And they said, you're not leaving here until you get a heart. So we, that's another synchronicity. We were on the road. We were gone. Well, first off, we did... Not only that, we bought a house. We decided we were going to buy a house, and and it was it came out of the blue. We were perfectly content in this, you know, cute, very nice apartment that we were living in. And he says, "I want to buy a house," so we bought a house. Then we uh, move in, and then we we travel, you know, six hundred miles, you know, both ways. And he gets shocked in bed. He's not going to fall and hurt himself. Mm-hmm. He wasn't driving. Right. And we get home, he passes out, goes to the hospital. What is the, the how, how, like, I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I understand the importance of the buying the house as a synchronicity. What what's the connection there? Um because it happened so fast. We were we were in in our house less than 3 weeks before this happened and he was expecting to he felt so good that he was expecting to not have to have a heart transplant. He was actually hoping like another three to five years oh. with his original heart. You know, he said, all oh, those doctors are crazy. I felt great, you know. And, you know, they say, you know, just listen to us. So we did. You know, he did what they asked him to do. But that was a goal. That was something that we've, we've always wanted to, 
to do. When we got together, I owned the house that we lived in, and he'd never bought a house before. So when we sold the house, we sold the house as a married couple, but it was my home when we got together, got married. And that was a goal for him. He wanted to buy a house, and I kind of feel like that was a something that he was a whole person. His yeah. whole body yeah. bought this house. Right, right. And, and he did it three weeks before he then had to get a new heart. I mean, that, to me, that makes sense. Some people might think I'm stretching that, but it's it to okay. me. It's yeah, sure, sure. That's fine. So he's in the hospital now. He's he's told mm-hmm. he's told he won't he can't leave until he gets a new heart. Right. So a week later, um, they they do whatever testing needs to be done, and a week later, it's October fifteenth. October fifteenth is a very very highly significant day in my family. There are, we have three family members born on October fifteenth: two uncles and a nephew. My son, who's 20, well, was 19 at the time, had got a job with the federal government as a contractor, and they hired him on permanent on October 15th. That was his first day as a federal employee at 19 years old. And then that's the day that my husband was listed for his heart transplant. So October 15th is extremely significant. something that I will never forget, a date I will never forget. Okay. So where do you think these synchronicities come from? Why do you think they happen? Yeah. Is it is it spiritually guided? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll get a little bit into this before, but, you know, the people talk about past lives and stuff, and, you know, you can believe in them or you don't. But I honestly believe that we have a contract. Our soul has a contract that we are set on this earth to do something. And I, I truly and honestly believe I am supposed to be with my husband. I'm supposed to be his, his advocate and um, because I've been preparing for this my whole life. And we'll t- we can talk about that here in a minute. But if October 15th he gets listed and in two days he receives a heart. Wow. He was on the list for two days. October 17th they call me and say, we've got a heart, come in, you know, we've got to get him ready. So... He's in surgery. Now, you know, we've got him ready. He's in surgery. Everybody's, the whole family's there. My mom comes to me. Now, my husband was a um, priority two. Um, You know, you're listed as priority. Priority one is the highest. My husband was a priority two. They could have gone a thousand miles away to to get this heart. Okay. They could have been up to a thousand miles in any direction. And that, you know, that says a lot, too, because, you know, if you're not anything below a two, they, they only have a 500-mile radius. Mm. And so he's in surgery, and my mom comes to me, and she says, Stephanie, there have been, <clears throat> there were two deaths right around the corner um, from us. We live in a suburb called Canal Winchester, and these deaths were in Gahanna, which is 20 minutes. It's like, you know, 15 mi- less than 15 miles away. And I said, oh, Mom, you know, yeah, links up and it's, you know, time-wise, whatever, but his heart could have come from a 1,000 miles away. You don't know who, who it is. And the only clues that the doctor told us um, before he had his heart transplant, that it was a fit heart and a young heart. So, but it's a good heart for him. And, you know, hmm. something else people don't realize, organ donor, donors, you, your physiology, your, your physical 
uh, my husband's six one. They have to have a heart big enough, right, to fit a, a large gotta, man. Yeah, it's got to be the body types have to be somewhat similar. Right, not just yeah, not just blood types right. and antibodies and all that kind of stuff, but you have to have the same physical makeup. So um, she tells me that you know, and I'm like, there was a the in what she was talking about, there was a young a man, um, a senior in high school, who was in a car accident, and on the same day, his football coach died. And I didn't. I was so wrapped up in him. I didn't watch the news. I didn't under. I didn't know anything about the story. Um, so, you know, fast forward. My husband has a heart transplant. The new heart goes into shock. When your heart goes into shock, the rest of your organs go into shock because they're not getting the the amount of blood and oxygen needed to keep you going. Right. So he had um, something called encephalopathy, which is uh, your liver enzyme spike. Uh, he, he wasn't, his heart wasn't pumping efficiently enough in order to get all the water off of him. So they had to start dialysis. They also, um, introduced something called an RVAD, a right, vent, right ventricular assist device. And basically it's a, it's a, an electrical thing that goes in through his neck um, it's a machine that helps his heart pump. It goes in through his neck and puts electrodes into his heart. And it was, it works as like physical therapy. It helps the heart pump to get it stronger. So he spent like th- two weeks, you know, intubated, uh, on all these machines, trying to get him awake and able to sustain, uh, the, what, this new heart to to sustain but he'd already had the heart the new heart was already um in him right that that had already been done so he was struggling with with the new heart exactly so you know we get him kind of around an encephalopathy is something where um he did have that that's where i talk about the liver enzymes are are high and that if you know of anyone who's ever had that it's uh they can hallucinate. Yeah, they, no, my mother my mother uh, died can, my mother died from liver failure and I went through all of that. So I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about, yeah. Yes. So he's finally able to talk. He, it's it's actually Halloween night. They extubate him and they you know, he's able to talk and he's kind of in his right mind, but he's still a little loopy, he's still a little out there. Um a couple days later, it was probably probably about four or five days after it was Halloween, so like October uh, or November 4th or 5th. And he looks at me and he talks about, um, well, he talks about, you know, eating chicken and ice cream, which he hadn't had anything like that. But one of the first things he asked for was a Pepsi. And my husband's not a, I call it pop. Some people call it soda, whatever you call it. <laughs> That's a raging debate on this pop. program all of the time. I know. <laughs> And oh, you do pop. know. Okay. It's soda, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, he doesn't drink soda pop. He, and when he does, he prefers Coke. And, you know, they always talk about how uh, people with transplants, they, they uh, take on attributes of their donors. And I thought that kind of made me think, oh, hmm, I wonder if his donor was a Pepsi drinker. Because he didn't ask for Coke, he's asking for Pepsi. And I right. know that some people say, well, that's kind of nothing 
but in my mind, I am a I, I go I I go with one of those two, and I that, I'm diehard. I don't deviate. So anyway, then a little bit later, he talks about he says he looks at me and he says, "Why was I in a in a car with a coach?" Hmm. And he said that just. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, you went in the car with a coach. He said, I was in a car with a coach. And ding, 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 you know, red flags went up in my head, like, oh, my gosh. And there's a different story to this, but this is uh, what my mom would call a God wink, okay? It's, it's uh, something said to make you think or make you know something without knowing, okay? So... Uh, what had happened, the story behind this, a couple days after he was extubated and was able to talk, he was in intensive care and they had visiting hours. I go in for the final visiting hours and they had done the, the shift change with the nurses. And Ryan was used to seeing female nurses. This time he had a male nurse. And this male nurse, I'm, I, he was uh, kind of creepy. I mean, there's no other way to put that. <laughs> He would have creeped me out if he was my nurse. That's all I got to say. And when I walked in, my husband says, you got to get me out of here. There's been a terrible mistake. I got to get out of here. And I kept saying, what? What? You're, you're right where you need to be. And he says, I got to get back to the hospital. I said, you are in the hospital. You haven't left this room. He says, I got to get back to the right hospital. And I said, then I realized that, and he, cause he kept looking at this creepy nurse out of the corner of his eye you know, looking at me and then looking at mm -hmm. the nurse. And I said, this is, you know, your new nurse. And I introduced him, and it calmed him down. But what it was is that in his mind, this nurse looked like a coach from when he was in high school. And he felt like this guy had kidnapped him. He said he thought he was in a basement somewhere. Mm. And... That's where this whole, why was I in a car with a coach? But then I took it something totally different. So I go and I look and I find the story and I watch it and I cry. And I look up this person, the, you know, the mother, and I find that there's a GoFundMe page and I share it and I donate to it and I, I raise all kinds of awareness. This is in November. So I find, you know, all these little things. And of course there's other things that he said, something like I told you, he ate chicken and ice cream right. and he did all this stuff that he didn't do. So fast forward, he's, my husband had to go through a lot of therapy. He's finally recovering, covered. He's recovered enough to come home and he comes home December 19th. In the meantime, we have something called lifeline of Ohio which uh, will is a, a link between donors and the and the donor the donor families and the recipients. Mm -hmm. And my husband gets a call and says, "I have a letter for you. Do you want it?" So they mail the letter to us. Uh, December twenty third, my husband gets the letter, opens it up, and sure enough, it was the young man who died in the car accident. Oh wow! That was his donor. And that heart could have come from a thousand miles away, mm -hmm. but it came from right in our own backyard. Wow. And so we reach out to the family via Facebook. We find them. We we talk. We haven't met them yet because, of course, then this whole COVID crap happened, and no one can go anywhere or do right. anything. Right. 
so once all this goes away, then we're finally going to meet the family. But we've spoken to them, chatted with them uh, online. And, um, you know, of course, you say, you know, you, you, you talk to the mother of the, the child who lost his life. Then everyone, you become friends with them. Then she tells them, so you, you become friends with the whole family. Right. And one of the things that they talk about was uh, the grandkids going to the grandmother's house and doing Pepsi shots. You know, they had like little shot glasses and they were doing Pepsi shots. Hmm. And there goes the Pepsi thing. Wow. Like that's what they drink, you know, those little things. But the, just those little God winks and the fact that I went to, um, you know, why was I in a car with a coach? That was the most significant sure. thing that said. Yeah, no, that's that made me go, wow. That's that's pretty amazing stuff. And uh, obviously you've been given, and your husband specifically, been given an amazing gift by that young man. And I'm sure the family is, is somewhat comforted knowing that some good came out of it as well, um, you know, despite the terrible tragedy to lose somebody in an accident like that. But how, how's your husband doing now? He's doing wonderful. He's laying here listening to me. Oh, that's He's great. on the couch listening to me talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. We're going to run out of time here, Stephanie, and I just I want to ask you about the uh, the, the the Facebook page um, related to the dreams. What's that about? That is, um, I have been, I've had prophetic dreams on and off my entire life, deja vus and things like that. And I've gone through a spiritual awakening. I can't say awakening. I've just finally decided that I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care what anybody else says. I've known how I felt my whole life. So uh, I, I would talk to family members and chatting on text and Facebook messengers, and, you know, they'll say, you know, you predicted this, and you predicted this. I, I, evidently, I predicted the uh, March 5th tornado in Tennessee, and I did. I forgot that I predicted it. I had sent a message to my cousin, and she said, you know, you predicted that. So I decided to make this this uh, dream page because you say something, people think you're crazy. And it just so happened, you know, that snow you guys got last week, mm-hmm. uh, April 23rd, I predicted it. And I also predicted um, that y'all would get flooding after the snow because of torrential rain. Guess what? Ohio and Michigan's the one who got the flooding, not upstate New York. Mm, yeah. We're all we're flooded here, big time. But it's those kind of things. And this like, this I comes to you in something. dreams when you say you 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 predicted this stuff. It all comes to you through dreams. It's like this the in between sleep and awake. You know when you're drifting off and you could feel yourself single because yeah. you're falling asleep and you start dreaming of pink elephants or you know whatever. <laughs> right. It's it's right there, and then the, some there will be a vision. That comes to me. You know how in the movies people have a vision and they sit up in bed and they they jerk awake. It's almost that feeling. I don't sit up in bed, but I I once I see it, I jerk awake. I I right. I'm awake instantly, and I know. And there's it's just it's a feeling. It's a not a normal dream. It's a feeling. Um, you can tell a prophetic dream versus just some normal strange dream that you have. So I decided I'm going to make this page, and if somebody once I put on there what I dream because I kind of want to make a record of it before it happens. You know, I can say, yeah, Hey, I predicted that, but if I don't have any proof of it, of what I said and what actually happened, then they're like, sure you did, you know? So it's something like that. Um, 
that way, and no judgment. If you think that uh, you know there's UFOs are going to attack us, and and you say it's going to happen on May 21st, you know 2020, you put it on there, and we're going to read it, and we're going to take what you say into account, and then if it happens, it happens. It doesn't. It doesn't. How do people uh, get That's involved? How do people get involved? Well, it's kind of new. They just couldn't. Uh, I don't have any questions. You know, some people are like, do you have any rule? You have to answer all their questions to be able to be admitted. But they can just request, you know, I'll kind of, you know, uh, just say yes. You know, I'll probably have to streamline that a little bit. Okay, so let me just make sure I understand. It's called My Dreams. It's on Facebook. And people can find Mm -hmm. find the group and they can ask to become a member, right? Exactly. I've had a few. And then you approve them. Right. Got it. And then once part of the group, they can share whatever dreams they want to share. And basically, it's an effort to put it on the record so that we, you can go back or anyone can go back and say, hey, on this date, I had the dream about this and it happened. Right. It's kind of like my online dream blog. Yeah, cool. And it's not just for, but it's not just for me. It's for anyone. And if they want to share, they're more than welcome to. That's great. I know you. I know you had a whole bunch of other things we were going to try to get to tonight as well, but we just ran out of time. Um, so you know what we'll have to do is we'll try to we'll try to get you to come back because um, I would like to hear more of your story and more of the things that you've done and experienced because I know there's more to it than what we've talked about tonight. Yeah, I do want to say this uh, real quick because I know you're running out of time. I have been preparing for this my entire life. My aunt, who was like my my mother, she's my mother's sister. In 1987, she had a kidney transplant. And I have been raised under those transplant umbrellas oh, wow. of rules, the umbrella rules. And so much of that played into his care. And, the, and you asked, you said, I, I sound like I'm a medical professional, and I'm not. And even the doctors, I, they would get mad at me because I would, I would challenge them. They'd look at me and say, are you a nurse? And I'd say, <laughs> no, I have common sense. And uh, so, yeah. Um, that's kind of where I was going, but I, I have so many more synchronicities that I could go on and on about. But those are the basics, the, the major ones. And the and, but when they people talk about, uh, they don't believe that you can take on traits of your donors. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, that's there's, there's cell memory. Th- that's really, it really is. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Again, thank you for sharing all of that with us. Uh, say hello to your husband for us. Tell him, uh, you know, we're, we're happy that he's recovered and uh, doing well. And like I said, uh, uh, Slick will reach out to you, Eddie, and, and see if we can schedule another time to have you come to, come back on and share some more with us. That would be wonderful. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.